Today's episode is sponsored by Flow Cabulary. Later in the show, I'll tell you how Flow Cabulary uses hip hop to help you teach kids just about anything and how you and your school can have a 75 day free trial. But first, let's get on with the show. Bam Radio Network. What do you say to teachers and parents caught in this circumstance where they've lost sight of the main thing about reading? What do you do when you have a child who just says, I just don't like either? Can I just live my life without either? Welcome to Every Classroom Matters. This is Vicki Davis, the Cool Cat Teacher, and you're listening to the show for busy teachers everywhere about the best practices that matter. Let's get started. How do we help students love reading and love writing? Today we have literacy expert Pam Allen with us today. So Pam, how do we start unlocking a love of reading with our students? The most important question of all, I think it's the whole real reason we're all we're out there with our kids and I'd say one of the most important ways that we can help our students become lifelong readers and lovers of text is really to give them some sense of agency and choice around what they're reading and how they're reading and when they're reading. And I I feel that agency and choice are are key ingredients for us to be open to the fact that our students are making choices that help them build stamina and help build their engagement around authors and genres. And so to really... If you're a teacher listening, um, to have at least 20 minutes of independent reading time every single day. And if you're a parent listening, to have 20 minutes of independent reading time at home in which we really encourage our kids to make choices that suit them. Mm -hmm. You know, when my son's life changed, because he has dyslexia, was when my husband and I said, you know what, you're going to read an hour a night before bedtime. You can read whatever you want, but you're going to read. And it's amazing what happened in that choice, and some people may say an hour is extreme, of course, it's different for everybody, but isn't it important to actually carve out that time and make it a priority? Absolutely, and I think there are so many fun ways we can do that, both as teachers and as parents, in terms of really creating sacred space around that time. In other words, one thing is just to accompany our kids as readers, uh, modeling our own sense of choice and the empowerment we feel when we're reading books that are sometimes above our level, sometimes below our level, for lots of different reasons we read. Um, And also just in terms of creating that time, we, you know, we often say we don't have time for things that we are maybe a little bit avoidant about. And I think anything we can do to actually have honest conversations with our children, whether it's to say... What might be getting in your way as a reader, and what can we do to remove those obstacles? Those are the two great questions we can ask, rather than, you know, everyone's a little bit frustrated because no one knows why our our our, our students or our children, our own children, might be struggling as readers. But to really just put it on the table and say, is it feeling hard? And if it's feeling hard, tell me why, and let's work together to remove those obstacles. Then maybe it's that the books come to feel a little easier, or maybe we just turn off all the devices, or maybe we turn on the device and have children reading on their devices, because that feels easier and more profound and powerful to them. So I think it's really about listening to our kids as well. So now, you know what's happened in education. I mean, we have computers and technology, and it can do great things, but it can also try to automate things that should have never been automated ever. And so, you know, people say accountability, accountability. How can you know whether the kids are reading? How can you know that they're leveling up and they're improving? And there's all this pressure with test scores. So what do you say to teachers and parents caught in this circumstance where they've lost sight of the main thing about reading? 
Well, you know, the, the, these are such important questions because I think, you know, it, it, it's definitely true that I think the digitization of literacy has been an incredible uh, driver to engage kids in their literacies in new ways, and so that's a plus. But I also think, and this is the same for adults as well, I think there's a lot of distraction. We are completely and utterly inundated by so much stimulation on the technology as we read. I mean, for myself, as an adult, I've had to kind of acclimate myself to getting used to the difference between getting lost in a book and reading in a very different way now, which I love to do online because I can get a lot of really good information as I'm reading a novel. I can quickly flip over to a YouTube video on the same subject, and I love that. But I think that the distraction is, is, is a huge problem because I also think getting lost in one's reading is something very special and important that a child's brain actually really needs. It's not something to really lightly skip over. And so I think, again, I think a lot of that has to be about having honest conversations and saying, when you think about, you know, for our kids to say, when you think about what really deeply connects you to your reading life, what what when it's feeling good, what's happening, and then let's try to make more of that. Because when you think about reading online, there's a lot of great opportunities, for example, great websites like Wonderopolis or uh, Newsomatic, like really fun sites that aren't all about reading chapter books. They're also about reading information, and they're very, very kid-appropriate. But I think part of it is we have to say to our kids, this is when we're going to be doing that kind of reading that feels you know, rich and meaningful and also I'm going to try to be with you to help you find access to a really great exposure to lots of different interesting things to read about. You also say, once you start writing, you will never read the same again. I mean, you're really passionate about the impact of writing and reading and how they, this relationship they have with each other. So how does writing fit in with reading? Well, you know, I say that reading is like breathing in and writing is like breathing out and that you are, once you even for a moment, perceive yourself as someone who writes, you do look at reading in an entirely different way, whether it's, you know, reading a picture book by Seymour Simon or a young adult novel by Sharon Creech or a poem by Langston Hughes. The minute you've actually ever attempted one of those genres, you start looking differently. It's almost like, you know, the person who tinkers around um, inside a car or with a computer or anything that mechanical is looking under the hood. That's kind of what writing is like. You know, you're looking under the hood. You know, you're really seeing the, the ingredients, the, the mechanics, the beauty, the beauty of those mechanics. And so yeah. there's this inexplicable, intrinsic, depth, deep, deep link between reading and writing. So one serves the other, and the other serves the one. And what I can say is that first, just that for our students and for our kids at home, again, to make similar uh, arrangements around writing where we give them choice, we give them agency, what would you like to write about, creating opportunities with a tablet or a phone or a notebook, to make sure they have regular time to write, but also flipping it back to their reading lives and say, wow, you know, if you like this graphic novel, you might be able to, to write something or draw something just like that. Or as we're rereading that very favorite picture book for the fifth or sixth time, Maybe instead of reading it as a reader, let's put our writing hats on and look at it as writers. How is this writer using punctuation? How is this writer um, making long and short sentences? How is this writer making his readers or her readers laugh? And it just suddenly it really opens up a new world 
for our kids between reading and writing. Well, and you can collect, like now that, you know, when I really started writing, I would collect beautiful sayings from books. I mean, Pat Conroy is in his book, My Writing Life. He's so good at that. But, you know, there are even benefits for journaling. I mean, there's some research that shows that if you talk about your problem, it doesn't get better. But if you write about it, you actually progress past it. So, I mean, there's so many benefits to writing and to reading. But what, what, what do you do when you have a child who just says, I just don't like either. Can I just live my life without either of these? I know that breaks your heart for me to ask that question, but there are a lot out there. Yeah. I mean, listen, you know what? Both reading and writing are really hard endeavors. They're both extremely joyous. And when you break through the hard parts, they're amazing. I mean, clearly they, you know, transformed my life and, and made it really uh, important for me to want children to have access to literacy, but I also am very aware that it's a very hard thing to do both of those, and to do them well, it's even harder, and I think that acknowledgement for our students of when it feels hard, I mean, I always ask teachers, you know, remember a time in your life when reading and writing felt hard, and then I ask them again, remember a time in your life when reading and writing felt really easy, and 99% of the time, They'll describe an experience that felt hard happened inside of school, and the experience that felt really easy happened outside of oh, school. And I say, you know what, we need to change that, because I think part of it is we somehow have come to think that the reading-writing experience is only good for children if it doesn't feel mm-hmm. good for them. And I think that's just not true. The difficulty is often around children and young adults feeling like they're going to let us down, that they're not going to be reading The To Kill a Mockingbird or Anna Karenina, that they, they, there are other things they want to read. Well, and as we finish up, you're also real big on story and helping kids find their voice. I mean, do you think that when kids find their voice, it gets easier? I think, you know, honestly, I think that's the secret to everything. Um, I started a, a nonprofit called Lit World in 2007, and our motto is called Be the Story. And that, 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 to me, that sort of is, is the everything of literacy because in so many countries where I work, there the children have so little access to, to children's literature. Um, they have so little access even to writer's notebooks or pens or pencils or much less tablets and computers. But what they do have is they have the power of their own stories and, and, and to people, for people to, to share and tell and listen to stories that come from within themselves where so they can say, this is the story of my life. This is a story that matters, is extremely empowering and also very useful. So teachers, you've heard a lot of great ideas. Pam Allen has a lot of great resources. I also encourage you to check out Lit World. And you know what? I've really enjoyed our discussion today because I'm passionate about reading and writing. That's also why I'm excited about a new resource I've discovered that makes teaching and learning the fundamentals of literacy, science, math, and so many other things easy for teachers and fun for kids. It's called vocabulary. Now, I remember as a kid, the conjunction, junction, what's your function, and some of the other songs we used to sing from Schoolhouse Rock. Well, kids have a new beat, and it's hip-hop. I'm enjoying using vocabulary's hip-hop videos in my classroom to teach smart goals, but they've also got grammar videos to help teach parts of speech, literature to learn the aspects of fiction, even math hip-hop, and so much more. Vocabulary is so much fun. Every video, though, comes with an interactive script, lesson plans, quizzes, and materials to use. So it's not just a video, it's a complete package to help you really reinforce those things kids are struggling to learn. 
Now, we've had several shows on the power of music to help kids learn and retain sometimes difficult to remember things. And Flowcabulary is a great example of this. Now, here's the best part. Flowcabulary is offering all of my listeners a free 75-day test drive. So if you're working on test prep, you're trying to help kids remember things that are just a challenge for them, you need to go right now to www.flowcabulary. That's F-L-O-C-A-B-U-L-A-R-Y.com forward slash trial forward slash school and enter the code COOLCATTEACHER2016 or hit the free trial button if you're listening on the BAM Radio site and go there now and enter the code COOLCATTEACHER2016. Tell your school, tell everybody you know that they can sign up for this free trial with Flowcabulary. I think you'll love it as much as I do. You've been listening to Every Classroom Matters. If you think today's guest is helpful or inspiring, will you share this show with someone else? I'm Vicki Davis, the Cool Cat Teacher, and I'm here to help. So give me a shout-out on Twitter. And thank you for making the best practices here on Every Classroom Matters part of your busy day. This program is produced by Accretive Media for the BAM Radio Network. Thanks for listening.